Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. We are now officially in August. Sources are telling us that it's only 20 Mondays till Christmas. So there's that. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Simon. I'm Lee. And today we have a slight update for you guys as to what's happening this month. Uh, and we are looking at uh, a very, very exciting film this month, uh, this week. So... First and foremost, this is our Women in Horror Month. Uh, we will be looking at horror movies that were predominantly written, directed, produced, uh, or have female leads, which I think, yeah, for the most part, other than the last one, I think that's probably right. Probably true. Um, but for those of you that saw our earlier social media posts about the lineup for this month, and then subsequently those who have seen the post about The Love Witch you guys will know that we have decided to remove the Love Witch from this month's uh, lineup. Um, normally, we don't do this. Normally, we only remove a film if it's been hard for us to get hold of um, or if there's been a change of plan and we've had to work around it. Um, this is the reason why we, we couldn't cover things like A Girl Walked Home Alone at Night. Um, I think we did it with ABC's A Death. We got like 15 minutes into that movie and you just weren't feeling it, so we didn't continue. Um, like, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, we just couldn't get a copy of it in time. We'd pre-ordered it from Amazon, but, like, Amazon got delayed and we couldn't do it in time, so we just pivoted to something else. No, wasn't that the one we accidentally sent it to the wrong address that we no longer live at? Yes, it was something along those lines. There was a fuck-up with Amazon and we couldn't get yeah. the, the film in time. Um, and then, so, with The Love Witch, it was one of those movies, we'd been wanting to watch it for a while... We put it on the list because we were both excited about watching it. We both thought it was going to be a good film for us to cover. We got about 25 minutes into the film and then we kind of both realised that it wasn't the film that we thought it was going to be. We did watch it until the end, but it's one of those weird things. Like We have covered films on the podcast before that we both haven't liked, but... With this... It wasn't even that we didn't like it though. With this, it was just that we were like, it was we didn't have anything to say after watching it. We we're just like, okay, that was that yeah, was a thing. And you know, we will never put out an episode just for the sake of putting out an episode, just to fulfil like the content that we've promised people, or to to fulfil like a content quota. Like we don't ever want to be one of those people that just puts out like an episode just because we've said we've going to do it, and then spend like. 10 minutes talking about the film and then filling dead air with like other stuff yeah although apologies to anybody that listened to our final uh to listen to our i know what you did last summer episode last week i can assure you there will not be 30 minutes worth of talking about anime on this episode no we're trying to crack cats instead uh cats crack because of naps um so yeah we won't be talking about that on this episode but i just thought it was worth addressing that like the reason why we didn't do the love witch was just because it wasn't it wasn't really a horror film and it wasn't really something that we felt we could have a measured discussion about it that would be worth an episode that people would want to listen to with that said we have pivoted so we have kept three of the remaining films that we were going to cover and we've just bumped everything up one and then we have replaced The Love Witch with the last film for the month. So today's episode, episode 138, is going to be on Near Dark. Next week's episode, episode 139, will still be on St. Maud. Episode 140, which will be on the 21st of August, will be about Double X. And then now, taking the place of The Love Witch in this month's lineup, 
on the 28th of August, we will be covering American Psycho from 2000, which is a film that we were going to cover way later in the year for another themed month, but we haven't announced what that is yet. So we were able to swap that out for something else and we were just able to bring American Psycho forward because I think, like, we looked at American Psycho and I think American Psycho has been in, like, four different months when we looked at when we put together the lineup this year because mm -hmm. originally we had it in Naughty's movies it was going to be a next month's lineup then we moved it out into the theme for November's month then we moved it back into this month originally and then we moved it back out <laughs> so American Psycho has been playing like <laughs> the episode like carousel yeah it has been quite a lot and then we were going to do it for a while as well like oh well, do we even want to really cover it because we're not sure if it's actually a horror movie but a lot of people do count it as one there was a whole Coming we're all about us covering American Psycho, but we are doing it. So. I also found out recently, and I'll get into this a lot more when we cover it next month. Well, let's not talk about it at no, all, no, because like we're the, doing it. I found out recently that Brett Easton Ellis turned around and said that he didn't think a woman would ever be able to make an adaptation of that film, or that book into a film, which is why it's very pertinent that we moved it into this month. Okay. I think so. Fine. Good talk. Yeah. So today we are covering Near Dark. Near Dark, the second vampire movie of 1987. The best vampire movie mm, of 1987. Is it? Because Lost Boys. So. You're going to come home one day and that Lost Boys print in our front room is going to have been replaced with a Near Dark one. I'd lose my shit. I love the Lost Boys print. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, Near Dark, uh, written by Eric Red and Catherine Bigelow, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Obviously, it's female director. Well, it's not. It's Women in Horror Month, but you get a point. Cast-wise, we've got Adrian Pastar as Caleb Colton. Fucking Adrian Pastar. Jenny Wright as May. Lance Henriksen as Jesse. Bill Paxton as Severin. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein as Diamondback. Tim Thomason. It's a fucking hell of a name. Timmy Tommy. As Loy Colton. Joshua John Miller as Homer. Marcy Leeds as Sarah Colton. And kind of outside of that, they're all minor characters. Mm -hmm. It's man and bar. Man, man and bar. Man who drives truck. Yeah. <laughs> Bartender, waitress, biker and bar, motel manager, patrol or police officer at motel. They didn't even get, name, get names. Ball, ball, people. The bartender didn't even have a thief with him. He did not. Um, do, do, do. Right, so this film was made in a budget of $5 million. Mm. Gross worldwide, it made $3,369,307. So it is a box office flop. We can talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, Plotline-wise, this film, a small-town farmer's son reluctantly joins a travelling group of vampires after he is bitten by a beautiful drifter. Yeah. Dumb ways to die. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. So, yeah, this film was a complete box office bomb, uh -huh. which I feel cannot be held against this film or any of the cast, crew, or people who worked on it. This film was released as the company making it went under, uh -huh. and there was fuck all marketing for it. Yeah. At all. It's gone on to be a cult classic. People fucking love this film. I can see why. Uh, but yeah, this film originally was a complete flop. And I feel like it's a shame that this film flopped so badly. Do you know what? Like, the the 
the the thing with this movie is as well, and like as a cultural as a cultural thing of like you saying that, it's fascinating because I feel like this movie at the time was Catherine Bigelow was like married to James Cameron, or, oh, yeah. or well, she she was married to James Cameron like later on, two years after this film came, out. and it's one of those things that people always bring up of like. They want to tie her career to like, um, like him. That's mm-hmm. that's how she became known in Hollywood for a long time. But like the thing is, like you look back at like this movie being a box office bomb, and like at that time it was like you know first time female director doing a vampire movie, same year as Lost Boys, you know all of that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people at the time took great pleasure in being like, oh, well, that's kind of what you get for being like a woman trying to like do this kind of thing and that was a thing that really haunted her for like the early part of her career and like the the greatest the greatest thing that I ever like saw or one of the greatest moments in Catherine Bigelow's career is the same year that Avatar came out Mm -hmm. she released The Hurt Locker have you ever seen The Hurt Locker? Hurt Locker is one of the best movies I've ever seen you know what it's about right? Mm -hmm. and um, she got nominated for best director and so did James Cameron and she wins the Best Director Oscar in that year. And she sat in front of Cameron when she wins it. And I think, to me, that is the ultimate act of, like... Because they are fuck... no longer together. No, no, no. He's on his, like, fifth wife. Fifth wife, yeah, like... say, <laughs> They are no longer together. Well, because this film does have a couple of links with Cameron. Obviously, the core cast... Yeah, Three of them are from Alien. In fact, were suggested for the role specifically by Cameron. yeah. Uh, because he was like, it'd be good to have like a pre-built group who were mm-hmm. already well worked together, and he recommended the cast of Aliens to her, uh, which she followed through on. Apart from one of them who turned it down. Yeah. And also, he apparently is in this film. Is he? Allegedly, the fucking trucker who flips them off mm-hmm. when he drives past is James Cameron. Oh no! Nice. Apparently, according to one of the actors, I can't remember who. I think it was Bill Paxton said it in like an interview that it was actually James Cameron. Also, two really interesting connections between the 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 cast this movie features the only two actors in history in the same film together Mm -hmm. who have who have both been killed by a terminator an alien and a predator Mm -hmm. which is lance henriksen and bill paxton because both of those men are the only Uh, two there's three people in this film who were in a terminator movie as well yeah because um jeanette goldstein plays uh john connor's stepmom in terminator 2 Mm -hmm. Bill Paxton is one of the gang members in Terminator 1, and Lance Henriksen is a police officer who was in Terminator 1. I correct myself, there are four people in this film who are also in a Terminator (laughs) movie, because the bar patron who gets killed gets killed in Terminator at a bar. Yeah, (laughs) because Lance Henriksen was Cameron's original pick to play Mm. the Terminator. He also, at one point, wanted O.J. Simpson to play the Terminator, Mm. which is fucking mental. Um, But yeah, also... um, I'm pretty confident, and somebody would have to fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure this movie features the three core actors. They are the only three actors in history who have both appeared in movies by James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow. Somebody would have to double check that, but I'm pretty confident they are the only. So Bill Paxton, Lance Henriksen, and Jeanette Goldstein the, the are the only three aliens. actors, yeah, yeah, that have appeared in movies by both. I feel like that's probably not true. As far as I know, it is, but I would have to like I would have to fact check that. But I'm pretty mm. confident. Fair. Also, uh, there are two heroes alum in this. Yes, because Bill Paxton is HRG, and fucking he is, isn't he? No, 
Bill Paxton wasn't in Heroes, bro. Why did I think Bill Paxton was HRG? No, 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 no. Completely different actors. He looks so much like the dude who plays HRG. He doesn't. When you who see plays him, HRG? I don't know, but when you see pictures of him together, you'll realise very quickly that they don't look oh anything alike. Oh my god, alike. now I'm going to have to go look that up. Who plays HRG in Heroes? I don't even know what his real name is. Oh, Noah Bennett. No, they do, though. So this is Noah Bennett. Mm. And then that's Bill Paxton. Not really. I think it's an easy mistake to make, so R- I correct R- myself. Apologies, R- guys. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. This is why uh, Lee should do research before she says any shit ever, because someone <laughs> will go, actually, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> God, um, you're so stupidly. Um, one of the things that I do love about this movie is, um, like, it's, like, impact on, like, other people. So, like, we were talking about how it was, like, a financial flop, but, like, um, recently, like this is going out on the seventh. So four days ago in LA, they have they've started like a a curated horror film like club. Mm-hmm. And Karen Kusama picked this movie. Like she curated this movie to be part of the like thing. Mm-hmm. And they did like an interview with her where she said this movie is the movie that she saw that made her want. She's like, this is the movie that I saw that made me wanted to make these types of movies. Mm-hmm. And like. As anyone knows who's listened to this podcast, people know how much I fucking love Karen Kusama. She's one of my favourite directors working today. So, like... And you can see, like, little bits of this in, like, other vampire movies. Like, there are obviously bits of the family and the way that they travel and stuff that's very similar to Doctor Sleep, which is obviously based on the book by Stephen King. There's, like, other little bits and pieces of, like, the mythology and the lore and, like, the way that the vampires are... Like, the bit where they dad duct taping the window shut mm-hmm. is how Spike comes into fucking Buffy. Yeah. Like, and how he leaves as well. Like, he leaves with a blacked out, like, a car with, like, blacked out windows. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like his look is kind of very similar to kind of how they are on this, of, like, the leather coat and his, his attitude look, and his, stuff. His, his look and attitude is based on a very specific person, yeah. though. So. But, like, there are elements of, like... And there's like the two cowboy brothers that are in. The, there's one episode of Buffy specifically. It's uh-huh. in season three, the Slayer Fest episode, where they've got like the two cowboy vampires, uh-huh. which I think are very similar to how this is like played out. But like, this movie is unlike any vampire movie I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Like, I saw this movie. I've only I'd only previously seen this movie once, and I thought it was very good the first time I saw it, and I was very very looking forward to seeing it again. What I find really interesting with this movie, so this film came out the same year as Lost Boys, mm. there is very similar shots in both these movies of the vampires backlit. Yeah. And like, it's a very similar shot and it appears in both fucking films and it's really odd to me. Yeah. It's a shot that appears on the promotional poster mm. where you've got like, they're on like, I want to say it's like a canyon. Like a little hill. Yeah. Bit, and, and it's the like, backlights the up. blue it's like is the behind red... them. It's like a reddy colour, isn't yeah. it, behind them, and it's the shadows. Mm. And that exact shot pretty much is in Lost Boys, as though they come over the hill and they're chasing mm-hmm. Michael down after he refuses to feed. Yeah. When they're all, like, when they're killing everyone and they chase mm. him over the hill. There is very similar stories in this as well. Like, I feel like the reason why Lost Boys and this get compared quite a lot is because they have very similar stories. Yeah, like, Innocent E-Girl gets, like, seduces a guy who gets bitten and, like, well... And Michael drinks blood. In the dudes the have, like, refusal to, like, want to be vampires. Yeah. And they're, like, they refuse to kill people and eat people. And uh-huh. then they get ultimately chased down by the vampire gang, like, etc. Like, so I understand. I understand. Like, I, I think outside of, like, some surface level, like, aesthetic things and, like, some very superficial plot points, 
I do think that they are very, oh, yeah, very wildly different, different films, though. Films, yeah. Like, the vampires in this are, like, genuinely quite scary. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, some stuff in this that I've never seen in, like, other vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favourite scenes in this movie is when they're in the bar and, like, he um Diamondback cuts the woman's throat and then they just put the glass underneath her to like collect I've the seen blood. That in like more recent vampire films mm. and TV shows. I think um is it Klaus or Damon does it in the vampire diaries quite a few times. Um but I do feel like that is an influence of like this film mm. on later media yeah like it's become a thing of like vampires draining people into a glass and drinking it from the glass just to appear a little bit more like doesn't Lestat do it in fucking yes he does in fact you are correct he does the vampire and that's what seven years after this he does it into a wine glass yeah it's when they've got the two prostitutes in the the hotel suite yeah that's seven years after this so because it's 87 that's 94 isn't it or is it no he does it he does it with the rats into the wine glass at their house yeah, he squeezes the, into, like, the weird fucking... I think he also does do it with the prostitutes as well. Yeah. So what did you th- what did you think of this movie? Because is this, is this a movie that you'd heard of before we decided to I was it? aware of it. Yeah. Like, I'd heard people talk about Near Dark. But I think it's one of those films that, like, I'd always just kind of avoided, much like vampires. I'd never seen vampires until we watched it. That's another... That vampire... John Carpenter's vampires owes this movie a lot. Oh, God, yeah. Like, you Jesus can, you fucking can, Christ. You can smell the influence <laughs> from a mile Because that's another, like, vampire western. Yeah, because that's a couple of years after this. So that's 98, so it's nearly 10 years after no, this. Yeah, fucking hell, I didn't realise what was up. Um, that, you know, you know we were talking about bad sequels the other day that's got a fucking director video sequel with john bon jovi in it where they go to mexico and he's he's the vampire hunter in it oh my god it's called like vampires dos de la muertos or something like that or like something. i don't know but that's that's a whole thing yeah um um what was I saying? Yeah, so I'd heard of it but i hadn't really i had never really come on my list of like oh i should probably watch that because like I, I i do consume a lot of vampire media but i don't tend to watch that many vampire films mm-hmm. um yeah actually think about it i have like obviously i've seen all the twilight movies because twilight girly but like, i don't oh, that's actually, gonna come up later i don't actually tend to watch a lot of like vampire films mm-hmm. like i love lost boys like queen of the damn vampire and he saw because of Anne rice books um and outside of that is like tends to be like some really odd vampire films i've seen Mm. Um, so yeah, like it was never really like, oh, I have to get this because it's a vampire film. I tend to prefer to read vampire books. See, you can see where this film fits into like the cycle of like recycle, like, and I'm not saying this is a recycled idea, but I'm talking about like films that came after it. So I feel like vampire movies, like, like a lot of touchstones in like the horror genre, like they, they, there's a film that starts a trend. Mm-hmm. Then there's a bunch of films that imitate it. Then there's another film that does something different, and then they everybody chases it. So like you've got Bella Lugosi's Dracula, you've got the Christopher Lee Dracula movies. Then you've got Gary Oldman's one. So everybody after that tried to do like the regal, gothic, romantic vampire type movies, and obviously like Anne Rice influence as well. So you have that whole. There's a whole generation of those like aristocracy like fucking gothic romantic vampire movies Mm -hmm. then lost boys hits 
and this hits in the same year. And then you've got a lot of the like, hey man, what if like vampires were like cool 80s kids who wore like leather jackets and were like a gang and like, mm. you know, everybody was in love with them because they were so edgy, kind of that type of vampire. Then fucking Underworld hits and then every every vampire movie post up. Well, actually, no, I'm going to go back a bit. Blade hits and then every movie is trying to be Blade. Mm -hmm. And that's why you get like Dracula 2000, Underworld, Daybreakers, blah, blah, blah. And we're now we're now at that, and then you hit Twilight, and then you've got everybody being like, you know, oh, actually, they're good guys, like you know, they're, they're trying to be resistant of like being vampires. They're like basically just like pets, kind of sort of thing. But the, the problem with Twilight and people give Twilight credit for like this whole like, oh, they created like a sympathetic vampire, and I'm like, no, Twilight ripped off. Vampire Diaries. They ripped off Stefan Salvatore because that's basically if ever you've read the Vampire yeah. Diaries books, that's what Stefan is. And Stefan Salvatore ripped off Angel, mm -hmm. and Angel ripped off Louis. Yeah, and I'm sure Louis ripped off somebody else. Like, I find it interesting with vampire media where we have this whole thing of like, oh, somebody came up with this really good idea, and I'm like, but they haven't. They've just recycled an idea yeah. from years ago, altered it slightly, mm -hmm. and gone, look, it's new and fresh. Although. We did say watching this that there are some ideas in this that I've never seen in like any other vampire movies. Yeah, the 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 way a vampire is infected, like you get infected with vampirism in this, is something I haven't seen before. Of like, it's she basically just pushes her blood under his skin and it, it travels like an infection, like it's mm. a virus. Yeah, which they cure by giving you a blood transfusion, which is wild. Yeah, fucking what. I love that. That's amazing. That's such a smart idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't like vampirism being that easy to cure, but like that's a really interesting idea. Uh, the fact that they like don't require an invite into places, like they're not scared of religious objects. Like it seems to be like your basic vampiric killings, like you beheading sunlight, uh, fire. Yeah. kill them and aside from that, you've not really got I'm, beheading. I'm not even sure. Yeah. They might survive that for all I fucking know. Um, but they did change quite a lot of vampiric lore. And I do feel like part of that is because originally they wanted to make a Western and people yeah. were kind of like, mm, Westerns aren't really popular anymore. You're better off making a horror film. Yeah, like a, a, a mashup. Yeah, and they kind of went, okay, well, we'll do vampires, but we'll do vampires like mm -hmm. how we want to do vampires. Fuck the mythology. Fuck all of the other shit. Like vampires, how we want to do mm. them. But I do find it interesting that we had two films throughout the same year that both had a child vampire in them because obviously yeah. in this there's Homer, in Lost Boys there's Laddie. Also, on another note of Lost Boys crossovers with this, they both have... One of Jason Miller's One sons of Jason Miller's sons in it because this has got John Jason Miller? Yeah, or Jason John Miller. Jason John Miller who that. plays Homer and then obviously Jason Patrick plays Michael in yeah. the Lost Boys which is another weird little connection from mm. two vampire films that are kind of vaguely similar yeah. on a, a, a root level. It must be it must be John Jason Miller because Jason Patrick's full name is Jason Patrick Miller. Ah, uh, so or it must be John Jason yeah. Miller and Jason Patrick Miller. Yeah, so I think I think Jason Patrick's full name, he's like Jason Miller the second, I think. Mm. I'm, I think I'm, I might be wrong. Yeah, but yeah, so they're like the half-brothers. Yeah. Um, also, another weird crossover between this Lost Boys and the Cameron universe... Mm. When James Cameron was originally going to write his Spider-Man movie, I don't know if you ever knew about this, dude was going to write a fucking Spider-Man movie and Arnie was going to play Dr. Octopus. One of the, one of the original Jason choices... Patrick. Yeah, one of the original choices for Peter Parker was Jason Patrick. <laughs> Which, and then it was obviously DiCaprio. By the time it had got further along and he'd worked with DiCaprio on Titanic, he was going to fucking... 
do Titanic as not Titanic. He was gonna do. Uh, oh, it's Joshua John Miller. Oh, there you go. He was gonna do. Uh, yeah, he was gonna do DiCaprio as fucking Spider Man up against Arnie's Doctor Octopus. <laughs> Who wrote the final girls? Oh, really? <laughs> Apparently so. What the Vera Farmiga movie? Yeah. That's fucking. That's he wild. He wrote Final Girls and Queen of the South. That's wild. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crossovers and connections, like in the wider horror universe with this, which is kind of cool. I quite like it. I quite like the fact that everybody like did did cool shit after this. But like, I I do, I think that's why this movie is so refreshing. Is like this movie. If you if you make this movie without like if you took all the vampire shit out of this movie. This movie still works. Mm. Like, this movie's not predicated on the fact there's a vampire movie. Like, you could just have, like, this travelling family of, like, thieves or murderers or, like, whatever the fuck. And it still works exactly the I same. I think the only thing you have to change, though, is how on earth um, Caleb ends up with them. Yeah. Yeah. He could just be someone that they took hostage, though. Mm. Like, that could be, like, it could be, like, as simple as that. It could be, like, a, a gang initiation thing, which is mm. kind of essentially what it is anyway. Mm. But, like... I like I like the fact that this movie has a lot of balls as well. Like this is quite a ballsy movie in terms of like showing vampires in a way that like because even the vampires in Lost Boys and I, I like I hate keep to keep comparing the two movies, but like the vampires in Lost Boys aren't particularly violent. They're like not a, they're not a particularly like they they obviously kill people, but they don't revel in like making people suffer to the degree that they do in this. No, they do. There's the sequence where they take the couple out of the beach and they like that's quite a graphic. They really revel in that. Yeah, but they like love being vampires. I don't think it's as, as bad as what it is in they, this. It's not as like this is way more gory. There's mm. a lot more gore and a lot more like a lot of the Lost Boy stuff is like a cutaway. Mm. It's like implied. Yeah. Less less so than this. But in The Lost Boys, the same dude dies like three times, which is hilarious <laughs> to me every time I watch it. Um, one of the other things that I love about this movie is it's like the idea of like family, mm. which is something that I... Like, this is something that like always pisses me off about like vampire films is they can't ever decide like what relationships like are in vampire society. Mm. Like, there's like... Some vampire films where it's like, oh, we just hang out together because we happen to be vampires. We don't actually like each other. Mm. Or there's ones where it's like, it's more close. Whereas in this one, they clearly have like a clearly defined mother figure, father figure, like that son and then his son or like his younger brother. Like it's clearly a family unit. Yeah, because they, they refer to Lance Henriksen's character as Gramps a lot throughout yeah. this film. Yeah, because I was trying, I was trying to figure out like, in if it was like if it was like a two point four kid situation, like if it was a nuclear family, obviously Lance Henriksen, so like Jesse and Diamondback are the mum and dad. Yeah. And then I'm like, does that mean that like Severin and May are a couple and like the kid is their son, or are they like sibling? Are they all meant to be siblings? Yeah. Like, because I was looking, I was like, which way would you look at it? I was like, I assume. I always feel it was a little bit like so. It's Jesse and Diamondback are the parents. Yeah. And Severin is their son. Yeah. And potentially also Homer, because when Diamondback addresses Homer when Sarah's in the room, she addresses him much like his mother would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I feel like May is like the awkward cousin who comes to live with them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were talking about, like, especially the way that Catherine Bigelow approached it, it was like the idea of like family and then like the outsider and like what an outsider can do to like family. Because mm. it's like, it's like much like if you have like mothers, mothers, fathers, like 
sons and daughters and then like a son marries someone who doesn't get on with the family and causes conflict and it's like you know who are you going to side with like your family who've always been there with you or like this outsider who's like trying to influence you and take you away from this like lifestyle and stuff like that so it's like, i mean i suppose it depends on how toxic your family yeah are, doesn't but it? it's like really interesting when you when you view the movie through that lens it makes a lot of the decisions in this movie oh, yeah, make no, a lot more sense one thing that really really throws me in this film is that this film could have had a wildly different ending mm-hmm. if if they'd have just let sarah go yeah because like caleb was starting to come over he was like actually I quite like this. This is nice. Yeah. He got his spurs from Seven. Jesse gave him a handshake. Dimeback was all like, good job, kid. Yeah. Homer fucked with him. It was like a nice moment. And then, yeah, Homer takes Sarah. And I was like, for fuck's sake. Mate, I'll tell you what, though. This is how you know this is an 80s movie. Because it is so wild, some of the scenes, where there's just like a little kid hanging out. Like the scene in the bar when they fucking massacre the barmaid. He's just sitting on the table, like, singing. I like, I like the scene where they're all playing cards and he brings Sarah to the hotel room. I was like, this is... So, and he's, like, smoking with them and playing cards and stuff. And I'm like, this is so weird. Because, like, in your head, you're like, this is a child. But this kid's probably, like, 70 years old. Well, I think the implication is he turned basically all of them. Yeah. So... He's actually, like, the head of the family. Yeah, which is so fucking weird. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure he implied... No, so he implies at one point that he is the one who turned Jesse and Seven. Seven? Yeah. Seven, yeah. How Seven. Do you and potentially May. And Jesse turned Diamondback. Yeah. It's just so weird to me. Mm. I just love the idea of this kid running around turning a bunch of adults. Yeah, but, like... You would, though. You would, because like... it makes it way more easier to yeah. live your life as a child also, vampire if you've got grown-ups around you. Interview of Vampire's got a little shitty kid vampire as well. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Like, all of the fucking... All of the little kids in the vampire movies are so fucking irritating, though. Because mm. the one in Lost Boys is well fucking annoying. I do like how they address that. I don't know if you know, like, if you... This is a weird, weird segue into Twilight. How they address, like, children vampires in Twilight. No. So, the only, like younger vampires that really exist are the twins so um l fanning's character and the the boy who plays her brother i can't think what their characters are called you mean dakota no l it's dakota fanning who's part of the voltori is it yeah well but i think both of those are i can't think what their characters called Mm. both of them are supposed to be quite like relatively young like maybe 16 ish yeah i was gonna say they're pre-teen Ish. Like they're supposed to be like sixteen, seventeen. They're supposed to still be like relatively young. Mm. But basically, the reason that vampire children don't exist in that world is because it's against the law. Oh shit! Because there's a bit where they're talking about the original leader of the Denali clan. I'm really sorry. You're going to really realise how much I know about Vamp Twilight at this point. <coughs> uh, created. They referred to them as immortal children. Mm. And she got killed along with the child, and that's why they show up at the end of book four. Because with Renesme, is because they think that the Collins have created an immortal child and it's against the law because they don't have any control. Because you can't train a child and be like, no, you can't do that. If a kid's hungry, a kid's hungry. Yeah. They'll just eat. Have has anyone ever has it like? Because I know obviously, I know that obviously she gets pregnant by a vampire in Twilight. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever done a movie? Or has anyone ever? Has there ever been a scene in a vampire movie where someone's turned a pregnant woman? 
Because I'd be fascinated to know how that works. Like, if you turned a woman who was pregnant, would the bam- would the fam? Oh, actually, Blade. I was, I was, yeah, as, <laughs> as I was, say, as I was saying that in my head, I was, I was like, like, oh fuck yeah, of course, Blade. That's literally the plot. Are we, co- are we fucking covered, Blade as well? Fuck's sake, how did I not remember that? Because I was like, oh yeah, Deacon Frost turns Blade's mum at the beginning of Blade. I was like, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was literally looking at you as you were saying, I was literally. We Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Although, although I'd like to extend a hearty thank you to Lionsgate for making the Twilight movies because the Twilight movies existing means that the remake of this never got made. Did you know about that? Mm. So in 2006, Platinum Dunes, everybody give it off Platinum Dunes. Uh, The guys who did all the shit remakes in the noughties of like Friday the 13th, etc. In 2006, they had the right to make a remake of Near Dark and they were going to get Samuel Bayer to direct it. For those of you that don't know Samuel Bayer, Samuel Bayer is a music video director. He did Smells Like Teen Spirit. He did all the videos for Welcome to the Black Parade and American Idiot by Green Day. That's what he's most well known for is Mm -hmm. those videos. He directed the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. So they were planning to make this in 2006. By the time 2008 rolled around, Brad Form and Andrew Fuller, who are two of the producers on Platinum Jeans, turned around and said the reason why they, they chose not to go ahead with the remake and I shit you not, this is a genuine quote, you can look this up on the internet, is because the remake of Near Dark would have been too close in concept to the to, to what Twilight was. The idea of like a human being falling in love with a vampire and a vampire romance and the story of Twilight was too similar for them to do a remake of Near Dark. Despite the fact that Near Dark had existed for nearly 20 years at that point. Wow. But then, do you know, the, the fucking annoying thing, I said this to you when I picked up a copy of Near Dark on Blu-ray recently, is that in subsequent re-releases of it on Blu-ray, they've changed the poster on the fucking Blu-ray art to look like a fucking Twilight movie to appeal to the Twilight audience. But yeah, apparently, because of Twilight, we uh, thankfully never got a remake of this movie. But they were trying. They were trying to remake yeah. it. So. See, it's something that always gets me with vampire films. I did say this when we were watching it. It's like, most vampire films could be avoided. Yeah. Right? If there was not a dude trying to get his dick wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just think about it. Think of a vampire film that does not... Chaos does not happen because a vampire... A dude, be, be a vampire or human, is trying to get their dick wet. Mm. Yeah. Maybe the original Dracula films. Not Blade. Mm, true. Ain't, ain't nobody trying to fucking Blade. <laughs> true. But to be fair, Blade's hunting down other vampires. No, yeah. no, because Deacon Frost was trying to get his dick wet. Nah, man, Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost. Well, I mean, Deacon Frost. The whole of Blade only happens because Deacon Frost was trying to nah, get his he, dick he wet. He ate Blade's mum, and then he was like, "Nah, I'm alright." After that. Yeah, but he's fucking her throughout yeah. the only, entire Only to mess with Blade. No, because it's implied that they've been together since she was turned. Mate, they should have... They should. I, I think I said this when we did the episode. If we didn't, the thought is now coming to now. They should have totally pulled the rug out from under everyone and, and said that Deacon Frost was his dad. <laughs> I mean, technically he is. Ha, like, ha, like, his vampire side. The vampire dad, I he's guess. The guy, he's the guy who created Blade. But yeah, like legitimately, a vampire film... Or book, in all honesty, probably. Someone will know of one. Maybe Sunshine, mm. I guess. Uh, where Sunshine? Uh, there's a book called Sunshine oh. by Robin McKay. I was going to say, like, 
That's about motherfuckers in space. No, no, no. Um, where time, like chaos, could not have been avoided by a vampire not trying, by a man not trying to get their dick wet. I would say underworld, but no, everybody's trying to fuck Celine in that movie. Mm. Everyone's trying. Everyone is trying. Everyone's to fuck trying to fuck Celine. everybody in that movie. That's true. Everyone's trying. But to... like a massive chunk of them are all trying to fuck Celine again. Mm. Dudes trying to get their dicks wet. Uh, Daybreakers. I can't remember the plot of Day. That's how good of a well, film Day- Daybreakers. Daybreakers was. is the one. Where, I feel like, like there's still somebody trying to get their dick where that causes chaos. Yeah, like Daybreakers film. is the one where like half the world has been taken over vampires, yeah. and it's about how they like keep. I don't keep... remember it. It wasn't a very good film, mm. but I'm pretty sure the main character is trying to get his dick wet for a chunk of that movie as well. Fuck. You need to stop saying that phrase. You've said it so many times and losing all meaning. I love it. It's, it's just, making, it's it's just great, making me cringe a little great bit phrase. But no, legitimately. Yeah. I, uh, I can't, because even like someone, some argument would be interview with the vampire and I'm like, I'm sorry. You think, you think Louis Turner sat for just some company? Uh, I mean, Dracula, obviously. Dracula's obviously trying to shag Mina. Yeah. Uh, and, I and, think maybe and some maybe of the Jonathan Universal Harker. ones, although it's, yeah, I suppose in the Universal ones, there's still Jonathan Harker, and I do feel yeah. like Jack Lewis Defo trying to try to fuck him. Yeah, I don't know, man. Renfield, uh, Dracula ain't trying to fucking Renfield. And that is true, but Renfield's trying to fuck in that film. Yeah, Renfield, <laughs> and that causes most of the chaos. Renfield's trying to fuck Aquafina, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you see, Morbius, Morbius ain't trying to fuck. Uh, Morbius is just true. trying to walk. <laughs> That is true, actually, but also it's a terrible fucking yeah, film. So, but yeah, like the thing, the thing with this, like I love how tight this movie is. Like I love the fact that this movie is like an hour and thirty five minutes yeah. long, and it it feels very brisk. It moves at like a very quick pace. Oh yeah. Um, but like yeah, like when we were watching it, because obviously I hadn't seen this movie since I was a kid, and like rewatching it, I was like. Fucking like we're ten minutes. We're not even ten minutes into this movie. Yeah? Like Adrian Pazdar is definitely trying to fuck this woman in like a cow enclosure. I was yeah. like, I was like, what is he doing? Like, there's some weird like lassoing thing. He's like lassoing her at one point. Like, man's got no moves, which is why there's like fifty Dixie Chick songs about him. Or sorry, the Chick songs about him being a prick. Um, but like, I just don't get it. I just don't get like how. I got nothing for you. But you've I've never got it. But you are right, though. It is like, yeah, it is one of those things where you're just like, what, what is going on? Like, why, why does, it, why is, why has this happened? Like, if you weren't a horny man, like, you could have avoided all of this. But I feel like that's her. Like, without um, demeaning her purpose in the movie, I feel like that's what she's there for. Is like she is the person who either catches the food or catches like the new people to join the gang. Like they, well, just... no, because they all seem really pissed off that she's turned somebody. Like they don't, like they all seem to go out and hunt on their own. Because we see Homer pretend to be a little kid falling off of his bike to get food. This is a prick. Uh, Servant hitchhikes and like drains women who pick him up, mm-hmm. and then Diamondback and Jesse like pick up again, pick up hitchhikers. So, like, it's not even like she's out collecting food for them. They all hunt on their own. Yeah. You are right. And they all seem really fucking annoyed when she shows up and fucking Caleb's there. And when they go and collect Caleb and they're all like, for fuck's sake, woman. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I guess it's like anything, isn't it? It's like, you don't necessarily know how someone's going to take to being a vampire. Because this is what I said to you. I was like, movies like this where vampires are like, fucking crazy evil dickheads mm-hmm. 
you're kind of like, what were you like as a human before this? Because I'm always fascinated where you don't know anything about the vampire backstory, whether it was like, were you always like well, a sociopathic shithead? Or, interestingly enough. Or did like becoming a vampire make you a sociopathic shithead? Was it Lance Henriksen? created like a whole backstory for jesse yeah yeah lad henrickson yeah of course he fucking like, created a whole fucking backstory he fucking basically created his entire character and then went out in full as if he was jesse like picked up hitchhikers of course he fucking did. And there was one dude that he picked up and he scared the dude so fucking much. The guy was just like, can you let me out? And Lance Henriksen gave him 80 bucks and was like, thanks, mate. <laughs> nice. And I was like, but yeah, apparently they, it always sounds like they had quite a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bill pa- Paxton was like fucking with train workers. Uh, him and Lance Henriksen got pulled over by a cop in full costume at one point And the cop was just like backed away and left them. Which is like, mm-hmm. And I'm out. <laughs> it does sound like they had a lot of fun. I do feel like part of that is because they got a cast who were already Slightly close. Insane. Yeah, they weren't close as well because they'd worked together previously. Like they came off the back of another film together and yeah. they did this. Do you know? Do you know the most mental thing that I find about like the cast in this movie? This is Jeanette Goldstein's second ever movie. Hmm. Like she'd never. The only other movie prior to this that she was in was Aliens. Mm-hmm. And, like, for anyone that doesn't know, the shoot on Aliens was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, the cast and crew went to war with James Cameron on that film. Um, so I guess, as well, having that experience of, like, coming from a tough shoot together to then a shoot where they were allowed a, possibly a little bit more freedom and allowed to kind of, like, bond a little bit more mm. in, like, a kind of, like, fun way rather than a more regimented, like, way... Because you know, like, if you, like, this is a, this is a weird segue, but you, do you ever hear about James Cameron going to war with the crew on Aliens Over Tea? No. I will tell you that story later, because it's, it's not a podcast-worthy story, but okay. it's really fucking funny. And it kind of shows you culturally where British people are at. Um, but, but yeah, so, like, I, and I, I think as well, like, having a looser vibe on set really shines through, because there are scenes in this movie where I'm like, fucking Bill Paxton's got to be ad-libbing. Like, he just looks like he's having too much fun. Yeah, there is a, apparently some of his stuff was ad-libbed. Yeah. So. But, like, Bill Paxton, like, you, have you seen many films of him in? No. You've seen True Lies, right? No. You, we watched True Lies at Christmas. Did we? It's the one where he plays the shit car dealer who pretends to be a spy because he's fucking Jamie Lee Curtis behind, Tom, uh, behind Arnie's back. And then Arnie, like, scares the shit out of him and he, like, pisses himself. Maybe. That sounds vaguely familiar to me. And then, obviously, he's in Titanic. He's in Aliens. You've seen Alien? Have you seen Aliens or have you only seen Aliens? I think I've only seen Alien. Uh, He's in Titanic. He's the guy who leads the crew that, like, finds the heart of the ocean. And he's he's in the wraparound talking to old Rose. He's in Weird Science, apparently. He plays Chet. He plays the brother who gets turned into the slug creature. Twister, have you seen Twister? Maybe when I was young, potentially. He's in Twister. He's the he's the storm chaser in Twister. He's one of those guys. Like even if you don't know his name, like you'll know him from stuff because he's in so much fucking stuff. Oh, he's in Spy Kids two and three. And he's such a great actor, but like he's always one of those actors who always kind of seems a little bit fearless. And like half the time, you're you're listening to things come out of his mouth, and you're like, 
was that scripted or are you just so lost in the source that you're just saying fucking shit at this point? Like, but He's in a film with Daniel Henney called Shanghai Calling. Nice. But like, I think that's why he especially stands out in this movie because he looks like he's just having the greatest time of his life. Like, and he gets to do arguably a lot of the cool stuff in this movie. Like, he, his, he's got the big scene in the bar where he, like, fucking starts to fight with the guy and then he, like, gets a shotgun, kills the people in the bar. He's got the big scene at the end where he faces down with Caleb and he gets hit by the fucking truck and he's all fucked up and he's, like, face is covered in blood. Yeah. Like, he gets to do a lot of cool shit in this movie. He does. And, like, he, he's kind of, like, the glue that holds this movie together because the thing is, I don't think I've ever seen a fucking vampire movie with such a bland protagonist because Adrian Pazdar's character, Caleb, is such a fucking wet fart of a human being in this movie. He is. He's you, are, got, you are not wrong. He's got absolutely no charisma. He's really boring. He just wa- he's basically looks like he's sleepwalking through half of this movie. Like, he looks like he doesn't want to be there. And this is, like, this big heroic, romantic lead that we're supposed to, like, root for. We're like, oh, no, he just wants to get away from the vampires and be with this woman and, like, save his family. And, quite frankly, he's a bitch. He is a bitch. Like, he fucking sucks. I ain't gonna argue with you. And you kind of sit there and go, I just, I I really just want these motherfuckers to kill him. I kept hoping they would. I'm not gonna lie to you. They kept threatening to, and I was like, do it! Do it! Oh, never mind. Also, uh, an interesting thing that this movie has influenced, uh, the new era of Creeper. I saw something from Will on Twitter the other day where he was saying that the uh, look of the band as their new vampire characters for the Sanglevoort era is based on Lost Boys and Near Dark, which is why when you watch the Cry to Heaven video, he's got the big black sunglasses on and he's got like the white face with the blood coming out of his mouth and stuff. Uh. It's because it's based on Bill Paxton's character and I assume... Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character from Lost Boys. But what do you what do you think of the characters in this movie as vampire characters? What do you they're think really quite them? cool. They are really quite cool. I love the idea of it being a vampire western. Like that really has it struck a chord in me. And they do like a big shootout. Like there's plenty of like shoot western out, references, which I really fucking love. I I really like them. I love Jesse. I think Jesse's a great character and um, Homer. Mm-hmm. Servant, I'm like, you're just the asshole vampire that every film needs. Like, you are the asshole. He's just like, let's kill everybody. Constantly. Everything. Whereas, like, I really like Jesse as, like, the, like, patriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. He's really quite cool. But, you yeah, know, I like them. I, I really enjoyed this film. I wasn't expecting much going into it because I don't really like westerns. Uh, but I did really enjoy this film. I also think it's for a first-time director as well. Like, considering this was Catherine Bigelow's first movie, mm. like, it's really, like, tightly produced. And there's, like, really great symbolism in this as well. There's a scene There's a scene after they've killed the truck driver, or they've got out of the truck, mm-hmm. where he uh, Caleb is biting on May's arm, mm. and you see him, like, sucking the blood out of her arm as, like, oil... There's, like, oil rigs behind them, like, digging the ground for oil. And I was like, I really like the idea of, like, the two things... Mm. working in tandem as like shots yeah Catherine Bigelow directs this movie like really fucking perfectly Mm -hmm. and then she goes on to have a really amazing career she does Point Break after this Strange Days Point Break's a film I've not seen in years she does um, obviously Zero Dark Thirty um, 
the other one that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Hurt Locker and Detroit, which is an incredible film. I fu- Detroit was like my favourite film the year it came out. Like it was an amazing film. Um, and Every it, time you mention that film, I get really excited because I think there's a Detroit Become Human film and then I'm like, no. No, but you know it's, you know it's about like... No. You know, okay, I, yeah. We don't need to get into it. Talk about it later. She's, she's such a wonderful director and like it's a real shame that she... She only has like six or seven directing credits to her name. Um, and she never dipped back into horror because I would love to see what like a horror movie like now made by Catherine Bigelow would look like. Mm-hmm. But as we said, you can see the fingerprints of this movie. Considering it wasn't a commercial success, you can see the fingerprints of this movie like in other movies. Like you can see traces of this in Blade. You can see traces of this in underworld you can see traces of it in like you know other media that's come after it because there's that scene in fucking blade where the guy gets his face like half burnt and he looks exactly like bill paxton does at the end of this you know even as a visual reference like you know you can you can see that came from near dark Mm -hmm. or that came from here and like i i like the fact that now like what 38 years after this movie came out people are going yeah actually that movie is really really fucking good like we should have like given it more fucking attention like when it came out i do love that she got to squeeze a uh lost highway shot in as well yeah everybody loves a fucking lost highway shot but like is there anything about this movie that you didn't like um i didn't particularly like caleb i thought he was a real non-entity of a character i just thought he was a bit fucking useless Mm. i would have been way more interested in watching the vampire family interact than any of the shit that went on with him, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, but that was only really the only downfall for me. Yeah, I hated the romantic stuff. Mm. Like, I hated the whole love subplot. Like, Yeah, just, it was to be fair, you just get rid of Caleb, don't you? And then mm. we get to lose that anyway. But this is the thing, like, I... Like, my only doubt, my only criticism of this film is the fact that they spend so much time just chasing him. Like, I, I get that, I, get, I understand why it turns into, like, a chase movie towards the end. But, like... Because they're like, oh, he's been tracking us. Like they know what he looks like. Like, I personally would have ended this movie on a really nihilistic tone. I don't like the fact that they cure him, and then he still ends up with her in the end after he's killed the the vampire family. I well, apparently the the original ending it ended with him with Sarah walking towards him and Sarah starting to smoke. Hmm. I but obviously by the introduction of being able to cure vampirism. Yeah. It's not really a. I personally, when they when they find his family and they storm the house, I personally would have just had the vampire family kill all of them. Mm. I'd just be like, yeah, just end it on a really fucking sad note. Just have the vampires kill everybody and survive. But I am also kind of impressed that this movie a hasn't been remade and is one of the very few movies that came out around that time that doesn't have a franchise. Mm. Like they've not tried to spin it off into a TV show. They didn't make like fifty seven sequels. They didn't, like, remake it. They just kind of went, it's good. And the reason it's good is because there's only one of it. Like, it's its own, like, enigmatic, standalone thing. And that's why people love it. Yeah. Although, saying that, I wouldn't have been mad if there was more adventures. But then, like, the thing is, once you've killed off the primary vampires, where do you go? Like, because none of them are left alive other than him and her. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to follow that fucking story. Because that's fucking nonsense. No one cares for that. Yeah, no one, no one gives a shit about 
Uh, You're bullshit. Yeah. Killing Spain. Although, I have to ask, this movie gets remade in 2008. Who plays all the roles? Oh, in 2008. Okay, so male lead is Timothy Shalott. Mate, he was a, he wasn't even born then, was he? Oh, two thousand eight. Yeah. Sorry, um, I'm trying to think who was popular in two thousand eight. So that was this was we're looking at what fifteen years ago. Okay, so we're we're bouncing out on twelve. Okay, male lead is Henry Cavill because he was the original pick for Edward Cullen. That's who Stephanie Meyer wanted to play him. Uh, the really obvious choice there was Milo Ventimiglia. <laughs> eh, I feel like that's a cop out. That's two on the nose. Two on the nose. So, um. Henry Cavill. Yeah, he I'm was. I'm here for that. He wasn't doing much at the time. No, he wasn't. Um, female lead, 2008. So this is peak Gossip Girl, One Tree Hill era. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Part of me wants to say Liam Meester. Rachel Bilson. Rachel Bilson, yeah. This would have been fucking terrible, guys. I do apologise. <laughs> um, Jesse. They would have just picked any actor who'd been out of work for about the past 10 years and no one really knew who they were anymore. So they always do. Um, who would have played Seven? Mm, I think Bad Boy. Of a similar age as well. I mean, that could have been Milo. Yeah. I feel like Milo could have done justice there. I mean, he he was doing pathology around about the uh, same time. So, uh. um, Diamondback, mm, Ellen Pompeo, Ellen Pompeo, is that her name? Yeah, the bird from Grey's Anatomy. Bird from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And then who would have played Homer? I don't know. I can't think of any child actors from that time period. So I, I would have gone slightly different. I think at that point, just because of how popular Heroes was, I think I would have put Milo Ventimiglia in as the lead. Fair. But I don't think... Or, coming off the back of Smallville, Tom Wellen. Oh, Jesus. Tom Wellen probably would have been cast. Fucking hell. Because that guy, that fucking guy, yeah, they probably would have gone with one of those two, I think, if they'd made it yeah, at the time. Yeah, probably. So you're far better at this than me, because you remember what actors were doing shit at yeah. any given time. I'm like, they exist, right? Um, Female lead-wise, uh, it's a bit of a harder nut to crack, I think. Um... But I would have, I would have probably, I think it probably would have been again. Looking at the time, you would have had someone like Mag. It would have been someone like Maggie Grace, Sophia Bush, what's her face, the one who played uh, Ryan's girlfriend in the OC, Misha Barton. Misha Barton. Yeah, it would have been one of those, I think. Or what's her? No, no, it would have been what's her face from House of Wax, the one who plays Chad Michael Murray's sister girlfriend. Uh... Alicia Cuthbert. Yes. Because she was doing 24 at the time. And she was doing like stuff like that. So yeah, they would have been Tom Wellen, Alicia Cuthbert. Then you get Peter Gallagher to play Jesse. Who's who Peter is, Gallagher? He's Seth's dad from the OC. Uh, yeah. uh, Heather Langenkamp as Diamondback. Because Jeanette Goldstein kind of looks a bit like Heather Langenkamp in this when she's in Nightmare 3. Mm. And then I think as Seven... Or ooh, that's a bit of a harder one. Mm. I'd have I'd have just gotten someone crazy like Rain Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> just because you could have had him doing like some weird fucking Dwight Schrute shit. I think that would have been kind of interesting. Like, but yeah, I'm glad it didn't get fucking made because a 2008 cast for this movie would have been fucking horrendous. But 
as we are getting close to the end of the episode, what are your final thoughts on this movie and what is your score for this movie? I really like this film. I think it's a good vampire film. I think it's a good Western movie as well. I think it hits both both sections quite well. Um, I really could have done without the romance plot line. I could have completely done without Caleb's character. Um, obviously, I know we kind of need something to spark everything off, but I just could have done without him. Yeah. Um because they could have easily done it of like he gets killed at the beginning and like a cop sees it happen mm-hmm. and then that cop is hunting them across states yeah. and stuff make it more like a western like highwayman kind of film or and being hunted down by the police yeah or they could have done it the other way where blondie may is actually a human hostage one of the other guys turns him into a vampire and she escapes Ooh. that would have been more interesting like yeah but yeah um but other than that, I think it's all like, all round a really good fucking film. I think it's a really great start to the month as well. Like, I honestly really fucking enjoyed it, not really knowing what I was getting in for watching it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I think I agree. I think of the movies that came out in the 80s, it's really, really stood the test of time. It doesn't look like it's aged that poorly. And, like, watching it on Blu-ray, like, everything was very crisp, very clear. Like, Catherine Bigelow directs the shit out of this movie. And, like, she shows so much promise in this movie that she'll then carry on through to, like, the rest of her career. And that's the reason. She got li- she got labelled one of the most... Hu- the, one of the hundred most influential people in, in like, pop culture oh. because she's a fucking icon. And I'm really, really fucking sad that she never made any more horror movies. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a really great film. Like, I love the characters. I love the sparing use of lore and how the movie doesn't get bogged down in vampire lore. And how it is basically, like, this weird, just, like, natural-born killers-y kind of, like, vampire road trip movie. Because that's the other movie I'd compare it to, like, natural-born killers. Like, yeah. they're just on this weird fucking, like, vampire road trip. And, like, elements of, like, From Dust Till Dawn, I guess. Um but yeah, I I love I love this movie, and I'm glad that we decided to cover it, and I'm glad that we decided to like kick off the month of it. I think it's a movie that holds up incredibly well, and like I really urge people if they haven't seen it to seek it out and watch it, or if people had seen it and didn't go too much on it to like give it a reappraisal because I think it's a movie that holds up really well uh, as a ballsy, violent vampire flick. Um, so yeah, that's how th- I'm giving. I'm going to give it a four as well. That's our thoughts on Near Dark from 1987, directed by Catherine Bigelow. We will be back next week on the 14th of August with episode number 139, where we'll be looking at the directorial debut from Rose Glass, St. Maud. And um, yeah, as always, find us on social media, guys. On X, I feel like I can't say that. On Twitter, S-I-M-A-H-F pod. So I'm married a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. As always, guys, just to give you a heads up, if you listen to us on Stitcher, as of this month, Stitcher will no longer be a thing. So we have taken the Stitcher link off of our profile. We are now on Good Pods. So find us on Good Pods, Apple, uh, all of the usual places. There's links in all of our bios and all of our social media. But I just wanted to say that for anyone that listens to us on Stitcher, uh, that app is being closed down at the end of this month and all of our work will be taken off of it. So... Um, Come please find us on another listening platform. As always, guys, stay spooky, stay safe, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.